You're listening to a podcast from Jubilee Church, Farnham. To find out more, visit www.jubilee.church. Lord, we thank you that your word is living. It is alive, Lord. It speaks to us. You speak to us in our situations. And you're present with us through your spirit. Lord, we ask, would you stir our hearts this morning, Lord? Would you bring fresh perspective on a story that can feel so familiar? I pray you'd work amongst us by your grace and goodness. Amen. So I was reading in the paper last week or last month a survey of 2,000 people. And the title of the article was, Hallelujah, Going to Church Raises the Spirits. It said, attending church regularly makes you happier, more optimistic about the future. A new report has suggested More than 8 in 10 people who go regularly to a place of worship at least once a week reported being happy, compared to just half of those who who never attended a religious service. Churchgoers also reported high levels of self-control, better psychological well-being, and more satisfaction in their lives than others. Hallelujah indeed. Sounds like the good news of the gospel, doesn't it? And why? Well, as we've heard through the Advent so far, Our hope is secure. We have peace in God through Jesus. And the Messiah is coming to set everything right in our sin-drenched world. The only reasonable response to God's lavish love and his goodness to us is joy. Pure joy. I feel good just saying the word. Didn't you feel it singing the song? Something about the word... You know, it's even better when we sing it, isn't it? Whether it's joy to the world, joyful, joyful, we adore you. Joyful, all ye nations rise. O come, all ye faithful, joyful and triumphant. It's a pretty Christmassy word, isn't it? You know, Christmas is a season of joy. It's also a season of interruptions, You know, some are interruptions to our normal routines, aren't they? We travel far to go see those that we love, those that are close to us. We might invite others to be with us, to disrupt our homes, to celebrate with us, or maybe they invite themselves. We interrupt our lounge with a tree and we open it up and we go, oh, that was a little larger than we thought. And we interrupt our normal diet with all the good, good food that comes our way. But interruptions, they're not always welcome. They might not be things we always asked for, we planned for. I'm going to ask Leslie if she'd be able to um, just share with us uh, an interruption that wasn't planned. Would you lend her your ears? are all patiently looking at me. This is a bit nerve-wracking. I'm not a public speaker by any stretch of the imagination, um, and I'm hoping to keep it together, but I do have my tissues in case I feel a little bit wobbly, and hopefully Princess isn't screaming her head off in sunbeams, because otherwise it'll be, you'll have to deal with Neil sharing my words. But I did type them so he'll be able to read them. So, here goes. In 2016, God opened the door for us as a family to go and have an adventure in the U.S. for three years. 
Okay. We packed up our home in Farnham, said our tearful goodbyes, and flew the day after Reuben's third birthday in July. A few months in, we were beginning to figure out how everything worked. We'd made a few friends, the kids were beginning to settle in school, and we thought we'd find a church. We'd also done our driving tests and all those other fun things. Um, however, at the beginning of November, my brother called, interrupting our adventure. I needed to fly back to Northern Ireland as my mum was ill and it didn't look good. How soon could I get there? Miraculously, there was one space left on the flight from New York to Belfast that day. Before I flew, we had a mad dash to pack, pass the details of the birthday party. I'd arranged at our house for Lauren, who was coming, and Neil still, what Neil needed to get. Um, and before heading to the airport. I remember putting out all the party bags on the breakfast bar and filling them all before heading off uh, to catch the flight. Um, and most importantly, Neil also needed some training on how to use the washing machine and the tumble dryer because we had a potty training Reuben at the time. Since then, Neil has actually been banned from doing any laundry. <laughs> you can ask him why. <laughs> At the airport, I messaged friends in the UK and the Mums in Prayer group had recently joined to ask for their prayers. No sooner than I'd sent the message than the ladies from... Oh, hang on. The ladies from the Mums in Prayer group had organised a meal train for Neil and the kids. Most of these ladies had never met Neil or the kids, but yet graciously provided meals for the two weeks I was away. Not only were meals provided, but friends were praying on both sides of the Atlantic Ocean. These prayers sustained me as I spent many hours at the hospital with my mum and family. Lauren celebrated her birthday as planned while I was still in Belfast. I think we've got a photo. We had an Arctic animal themed party, really random, but that's what our kids came up with. Um, and they, they look so small there. Um, but yeah, so Neil drew all those animals that you, well, you can't really see them on the right. But anyway, Neil carried that well. Um, and yet again, God provided again for our family by sending kind neighbours to help with the party, complete with jewellery making. So, um, Mum passed away on the 12th of November, the day after Lauren's birthday. The two and a bit weeks I was in Northern Ireland felt like a time warp. One day just blended into another. Then it was time to fly home. I was so looking forward to seeing Neil and the kids and to have some time to grieve. Um, Neil's parents were already there when I got back, um, as they'd already booked their flights and wanted to spend two weeks with us, including Thanksgiving. They were a blessing to Neil as they were able to help um, look after the kids while Neil was trying to do his day job <laughs> uh, and still look after them. Uh, for me, I wasn't so sure. I just wanted to curl up under the duvet and grieve. Instead, I was their tour guide <laughs> uh, while Neil went back to work. The kids were at school, so it was just me and Neil's parents. Um, not sure I was the most tour cheerful of tour guides, and I didn't ask them to do a feedback form, so I'll never know. <laughs> so when our guests left, the grief hit me hard. I realized I was not only grieving my mum, but also the friends and family here in the UK and the life we'd, we'd had. We'd done so much life for so many people here in the church. Um, and we hadn't really made any close friends in the three months we'd been in the US, so grieving was pretty lonely. Had we been in Farnham, I would have gone to Sarah or Marianne's house, no words needed, and I would have just been able to sob and drink lots of tea. <laughs> um, it felt like such a lonely time, especially on the run up to Christmas. 
I really struggled with the commercial build-up to it. It was just so commercialized and such a large scale that it was just overwhelming. It just seemed, just seemed so frivolous. I didn't really want to celebrate or think about the gifts to buy, and I didn't really want anything. Um, I could just about think about food, as I knew we'd have to eat anyway. And then I sort of fake my Christmas joy for the kids. If I'm honest, I still struggle a little with Christmas, seven years on. However, I, you'll have to bear with me because I get a bit wobbly in this bit. Um, it's quite amazing I've held it together quite so far. Um, however, God has been gradually working on my heart to rekindle that Christmas wonder and joy from feeling very lonely, burdened with grief. Jesus has shown me that he is Emmanuel, God with us. I know that deep in my soul. But no matter what I'm going through, he is there and always, always will be there, just as he promises in his word. Joy has burst through in ways I hadn't imagined. By stripping everything back and not getting sucked into having this perfect Christmas you see in all the Christmas movies um, has brought great joy. Um, There's also been two carols that have brought such comfort um, and joy over the past years. Um, And they're really old. I like old school carols. Um, One is, Come, O Come, Emmanuel, and Come, Thy Long-Expected Jesus. Um, Obviously, they tell of this long-awaited birth of of Jesus, our Saviour, but also of the longing for his return. The Emmanuel who's with us is also one day coming back to wipe all the sadness and pain and disease away, and this broken world will be restored. Another surprise um, was one of the little girls we fostered found a Christmas storybook one evening at bedtime and wanted to read it. She had never heard the Christmas story, so she just knew it about Father Christmas. Um, And it was a real joy to share the Christmas story with her, um, to share the wonder of Jesus coming to earth as a baby and that Jesus loved her so much. Joy has been found in the presence with family and friends rather than the presence around the tree. Unwelcome interruptions. They can stir fear. They can cause anxiety. They can steal our sleep. They can pickpocket our joy. They can erode our friendships, our relationships. They can cause us to question God, even turn away from God. Unwelcome interruptions. They come in many shapes and sizes, don't they? Mourning, weeping. Loss, grief, poverty, cost of living, despair, injustice, devastation, redundancies, disgrace, robbery, wrongdoing, illness. Maybe this Christmas you feel more tear than cheer. The busy build-up for some may highlight the emptiness for others. The shop windows full of gifts and fancy foods when your essentials consume all your income. Seeing families together reinforce your pain of a family apart. You might be facing an unwelcome intrusion this Advent 
What you wanted is not what you received. It doesn't match. Maybe you're troubled, losing sleep. Joy may feel far off. Does that describe you this morning? So what's your response to an unwelcome intrusion? We can deny it, can't we? We may choose to suppress it or to pretend to ignore it. We could shop till we drop, drink till we can't think, work till we're exhausted. We can do our best to solve it. This is my tendency. I think I can fix it. I think I can correct it. It's a problem to solve. Sometimes that works. Sometimes it doesn't last. Sometimes we just can't fix it. Then what? What can we learn in this advent of joy, this advent about joy amidst unwelcome interruptions? I want to challenge us this morning to put our feet in the shoes of Mary and Joseph, engaged to be married with their dreams of their future, and then the unwanted attention of a scandalous pregnancy. An imposed census at just the wrong time. An unwelcome trip to Bethlehem. An overcrowded inn and a night in a stable. Was this the plan that Mary and Joseph had envisaged that they thought their engagement would bring? Of course not. Think about their plan for parenting. It's pretty daunting, the first moments of being a parent, from my experience. And can you imagine them there? Suddenly the hand of God clinging to their finger. Gazing into those little eyes. God was with them. Wow, no wonder the angels filled the skies and praised and sung glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. This was the way God fulfilled his plan, the birth of a servant king through an unwelcome interruption. It isn't just the story of Mary and Joseph. Have you ever stopped to look at the beginning of Matthew, where it lists all the genealogy of Jesus? Have you ever wondered why it's there? You know the bit that says, Abraham was the father of Isaac. Isaac was the father of Jacob. Jacob, the father of Judah and his brothers. And it goes on, Obed, the father of Jesse. And Jesse, the father of King David. And David, the father of Solomon. Who needs to know about Tamar, Rahab, Ruth? Why does Matthew mention them? He's making a point. What might seem like chaos cannot keep Christ out of the world. The Messiah was born not because of his ancestors, but in spite of them. Tamar was abandoned. Ruth was a widow raising a family in a famine. And Rahab was a prostitute. David was an adulterer. Solomon was a philanderer. The family tree is gnarled and crooked. And yet God had promised Jesus would come. And Jesus came. So what now? How do we prepare our hearts, our homes for Christmas, and seek joy, even amongst these unwelcome intrusions? 
I want to share with us three points that we can look at together uh, through the story. And we're going to sort of move back and forward a bit through the Christmas story. So I need you to, to stay alert and stay with me. Uh, three things that we can do together. And then we've got time to press back into communion and worship together um, where we've got time to respond. So the first one is going to be about to sow anyway. And so there's a couple of scriptures for each. If you want to take a note, maybe something that would be helpful to study in the week. A surprise pregnancy, the sudden census, the long road from Nazareth to Bethlehem. Unpleasant and difficult, yet they resulted in the world's greatest miracle, the birth of a saviour, our saviour. It was different than Mary planned, but it turned out greater than she could have imagined. God used the struggles to accomplish his will. Sowing anyway means sowing the seeds of daily faithfulness, clinging to him, trusting that God holds it together. When our dreams fall apart, we say, Lord, I need you now. In Psalm 11, you feel David is in that moment where things are falling apart around him. In verse 3, he says, when the foundations are being destroyed, what can the righteous do? You know, David doesn't give an answer in the psalm. The next line, he simply says, the Lord is in his temple. The Lord is on, in his heavenly throne. And what happens when we sow anyway? Let's look at Psalm 126. It says, those who sow with tears will reap, reap with songs of joy. Those who go out weeping, carrying the seeds to sow, will return with songs of joy, carrying sheaves with them. We don't feel joy all the time, do we? Maybe in this season it feels like it's been a while. So, anyway, the seed of daily faithfulness, cling to him. The next one brings us to our verse that we read earlier. I'm going to read it again. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. Good news that causes great joy. Doesn't sound like the news we're used to, does it? Where news can feel more like an anxiety megaphone. Yet the promise in Scripture is good news causing great joy to all people. Have you heard someone say something like, you need to choose to be joyful in all circumstances? Have you heard that? It might sound right, like a positive mindset. 
If we can just tell our bodies, come on, be joyful. You know, I'm all up for positive mindset. But I don't think that's Christian joy. News You know, it's rather the good news. It's good news. Joy is caused by the good news. The joy is caused by the good news. It implies that we need to learn about our Savior. It implies that any step we can take, whether it's in the Word, whether it's pressing in in prayer, whether it's being in fellowship with others, It's those things that bring us to understand God and the glory and beauty of what he's done. It may be those very actions that cause us and lead us to joy. News is something new, isn't it? Something notable, something we've not heard before. If you're not a Christian this morning, I encourage you, do you know what the good news is? Do you know why we're celebrating the birth of Jesus and what it means for us and our and our freedom and hope for the future. I encourage you to press in in the weeks ahead. Dig in, understand why did this Savior come? Why was this baby born? For us as Christians, I want to ask us, do we have fresh faith for a deeper understanding of the good news this Christmas? In Lamentations 3, verses 22 to 24, it says, because the Lord's great love we, do, we are not consumed, for his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. I say to myself, the Lord is my portion. Therefore, I will wait for him. How do you press in to the good news and wait for him when you're up against it? Do you pray? Do you read scripture? Do you gather with a friend? Do you dig into a daily devotional? Do you sing? Do you meditate on his promises? If we bring ourselves back to the stable, on Christmas Day, Jesus had just been born. Can you imagine? Think of yourself again in Mary and Joseph's shoes. They must have been filled with an equal measure of excitement and exhaustion. And when the angel appeared, you know, I think there must have been a lot of practical ways that they would have liked some help from the angel. Like maybe a cot, some clean clothes, maybe a lift back to Nazareth, hot tea and toast. And what was the angel's gift? Suddenly, a great company of heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. The gift was worship. C.S. Lewis says, Praise is the mode of love which always has some element of joy in it. Will you worship anyway?
The last one is to visit anyway, which might sound a bit strange. I want us to step back in the story before Jesus was born, where Mary finds out she's going to be, she's going to be giving birth to the Son of the Most High. Imagine the journey she's been through. Imagine Mary's smile then, when all the gossip and whispering, disapproving looks, when finally someone believes her. Elizabeth believed her. Blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. It says in Luke 1, verse 45. Blessed are you among women, cried Elizabeth, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. What a blessing in an unwelcome intrusion that someone believed her and said, I believe God is in this. I'll stand with you. Mary stayed with Elizabeth for about three months, says in Luke 1, verse 56. You know, very often, something special happens when we have a visitor or when we go visit someone. A relationship restored, a plan hatched, a burden lifted, confidence is shared, food is eaten, prayers are spoken. You know, this is one measure of a living church. It's fellowship, eating, breaking bread, sharing with those in need, praising God, encouraging one another. Who are you visiting this Christmas? Who's God laying on your heart at Jubilee or beyond? Are you ready for a deeper fellowship? Expecting to be a blessing to one another. If you heard when Sean brought the um, Look Again series about the early church, and we looked at Acts 2, it says, Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes. They ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. So are you ready to prepare your hearts this Christmas by sowing anyway? Trusting God, even in the interruptions. Are you ready to prepare your heart for Christmas by worshipping anyway? Expecting that God will reveal more of his beauty and the joy and the faith. Are you ready to prepare your heart for Christmas by visiting others, bringing an expectation of deeper fellowship and blessing? As we do, even if we're planting the seeds with more tears than joy or tears than cheer, we're doing with a faithful expression of trust that God will bring, just as he brings a plant from a seed, he'll also bring a crop of joy from the seeds of everyday hardship we sow for him. Glory to God in the highest heaven. And on earth, peace to those on whom his favor rests. I'm going to ask the 
band to come up. Uh, we've got some space together as a church for us to press in. First, we're going to uh, share communion together. And I, I think with this word, the communion is really a way that we can sow, isn't it? It's an expression of our faith. It's bringing things to Jesus in the midst of those things and saying, Jesus, your Lord, as we come to the table. It's also a place when we share communion that we can share with one another in fellowship. So as you come to communion today, if there's someone that God's laid on your heart, someone you know who's dealing with an unwelcome intrusion, why don't you go and meet and pray and share the bread and wine with them? Then we're going to have some time to worship, right? to bring our eyes back to Jesus and to focus on what he's done as he came to us at Christmas. So as we break bread, I just encourage you to come up. The juice is on the front, on the right this time, and the others are the wine. So for those of you coming up, know what you're taking, and we'll have the bread today. Are you ready to open your heart to, what, to Jesus' presence this morning? Um, I just want to thank Leslie for sharing your testimony. Um, not sure I could have thanked you when I, when, after you uh, sat down first. But um, God breaks through, doesn't he? God breaks through. We have reason to celebrate this, this uh, as, we, as we bring a focus on joy this morning. So I'm going to pray, and I'm going to ask if you'd like to come up and, and take bread and wine. And remember, you know, we're doing similar to what it said, as Sean read at the end of uh, uh, Acts 2. So I'm just going to read that again as a way for us to enter into breaking bread. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. Lord, we want to come give you the glory this morning. Lord, we say you are the one who is our firm foundation. Our hope, our faith is in you. Lord, we thank you that you are Emmanuel, God who came to be with us. Lord, we ask, would you be present with us now? Reminding us of the truth and the power of your word that is living within us. And would you be with us through your spirit, Lord, to stir uh, our deepening understanding, Lord, of your beauty and your goodness. Amen.